All right. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? Awesome. What a great morning so far. Worship team, thank you so much. Well, if you, if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be in John chapter 10 today, if you want to get those out and ready. I love John. I love reading John. He, I think I would have got along with him well. I love how he writes. I love how he re- always refers to him as the one Jesus loved. He names all the other disciples by name. But himself, he just calls the one Jesus loved. And he always makes sure everybody knows how Peter screwed up. (laughs) So I think I would have liked him. He seems like a fun guy. Um, But a couple things. Today is our park days at 1 p.m. at Magnolia Park here in Vacaville. Uh, Just come out with your family and have some fun. Just hang out, be at the park, eat lunch together. And just have some fun. That's at Magnolia Park here in Vacaville, 1 o'clock today. Um, Also, we have an amazing young man this morning that wanted to wish a happy birthday. And that's George Elrod. Had his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, young man. At least the first time I saw you, you were a young man. So that's how I remember you. I know, I was just born, so I, I remember you as the young man, actually, yes, George has been such a blessing to this house and to our family for a very long time, so happy birthday. Next week, can you say next week? You want to be here. Next week, we have Michael Dalton with us, and we have him for the whole week, and we did this on purpose. So we have them Saturday morning for our Empowered Faith from 9 to 12. And then we'll have them Sunday morning at 10. And then we have a Sunday night service at 5 o'clock. So this is kind of how this works. If you just come to one of them, it's going to be awesome. But coming to all three, it's like if you if you only come to one it's like eating the most amazing dessert you ever had in your life but you missed out on the meal and you missed out on the appetizer and the appetizer was awesome and the meal was amazing so coming getting one of those is great and it's going to be awesome but when you have all three then you get a complete meal that's amazing so don't miss the complete meal Be here for all of them. Because it will build for you from one to the other. So, next Saturday, 9 o'clock. I know it's a Saturday. It's 9 o'clock. You have enough time to run through, get some coffee, and be there. But it's going to be an amazing weekend. God is going to do some powerful things, and you don't want to miss that. We don't want you to miss it. So, come next weekend. And let God blow the socks off you. Amen? All right. So I got this. Yesterday I was out at the ball fields all day with my sons watching them play football or baseball. And so I came across this. I thought this is kind of fun. 12 reasons Christians don't attend sports, sporting events. Number one, the coach never came to visit me. Number two, every time I went, they asked for money. The people sitting in the road didn't seem very friendly. Number four, the seats were very hard. Number five, the referee made a decision I didn't agree with. Number six, I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. Number seven, some games went into overtime and I was late getting home. Number eight, the band played some songs I had never heard before. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. 
Well, it's starting to get quiet in here because you're starting to realize what this is. Number 10. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number 11. Since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. That one's actually probably true. Number 12. I don't want to take my children because, yeah, I don't, let me start over. I should have made this print bigger. My eyes are getting old. Number 12, I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Yes. It was a little convicting, wasn't it? Not by me. I know you guys don't, would not come to church because of those reasons. But it is kind of self-revealing, isn't it? Man, you guys got really quiet all of a sudden. It was meant to be funny. No, you guys are a great, amazing community that loves Jesus. So I need you to stand. Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you. We're going to do communion at the end, so I just want you to go get your emblems now so we don't have to do it at the end. So take, we're going to take 20 seconds. There's emblems at the giving stations, and there's some up here. Go ahead and grab them now because they're the self-serve ones the, where you have to like separate. So it might take you the whole service trying to get those separated. But go ahead and grab your communion now so we can go right into it at the end. And then you can sit down. All right. So I'm going to set this up a little bit and give some context to our scripture today. So in John 9, Jesus is out doing his thing, and he comes across the blind guy. And they find out that he's been blind since he was born. And the disciples are like, hey, is it, was it sin in, what sin in his life caused this? Or his parents' life? And Jesus kind of says, you guys are morons. You don't know what you're talking about. It has nothing to do with that. And then Jesus proceeds to spit in the ground, stir it up, get some mud, put it on the guy's eye. So not only is this guy blind already, now someone is spitting on him and putting mud on him. Right? Okay, maybe, maybe you guys are awake. Right? Yes? All right. So he puts mud made out of spit on his eyes, and he's healed. Right? Awesome. Well, the religious people start freaking out because it's on the Sabbath. So Jesus is working on the Sabbath. And they freak out and start questioning this man. They bring him before him and say, hey, you know, who are you? Why, what happened? And he's like, I, I, you know, this is what happened. Spit in the ground, he put mud on my eyes, and I can see now. And they didn't believe him. They didn't believe this guy that he was actually healed. So they go and get his parents. They get his parents to bring him in. They're like, hey, is this your son? And they're like, yes, this is my son. And he was blind since he was a child. You know, so he was born blind. They're like, how did this happen then? And there, they go, I don't know, ask, them, ask him. He's, he's of age, so you can go ask him. Basically, they wanted to get out of it because there was a lot of political things going on. So they were like, hey, just, he's old enough, you go ask him. So they bring him back in to question him again. And I love how he responds this time. So he's already been questioned once. They didn't believe him. They bring him back in, and they, they ask him, they say, tell the truth. 
We know Jesus is a sinner. And they ask him again, what happened? And this was his response. I love his response. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I, I do know. I was blind, but now I see. So this is what's going on. He, he's like, I, I don't know if he's a sinner. Like, that doesn't matter. I just know I couldn't see, but now I can. It was, it's just interesting how when God, Jesus starts to move, typically who's offended the most are the ones that should believe the most. See, back when we started really going after healing, we started praying for the sick and expecting them to be healed. And we had, would have people come to us saying, hey, you know, you really shouldn't do that. What happens if they don't get healed? Or healing isn't really happens today. And our response was kind of the same, not out of making fun of them, but out of just a, well, all we know is that we prayed for them and said, Jesus, heal them. And they went away healed. So if healing is not for today, then what happened? Like, so this guy's like, this is what happened. Which obviously infuriated the religious people. And then they, they asked him and said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this was his response. The man says, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And this is where I, this guy's brilliant. He says, do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> Amazing answer. And of course, that infuriated them. They end up kicking them out. And now they start going after Jesus. And Jesus, so they're asking Jesus, what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? Who are, where are you, you know, all this, who are you? Why are you making such a mess of our perfect world? Basically is what they're, is what's going on. And Jesus starts talking to him about being the good shepherd. This is now ver, uh, chapter 10. Jesus starts responding to him and starts talking about how he's a good shepherd, that his sheep know his voice, and that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that, but his sheep know his voice, and know, because they know his voice, they won't let the thief in. And then Jesus declares that the Father knows him, and he knows the Father, which just put the Pharisees over the edge. Then they start calling him, it says he's de- they start saying he's demon-possessed, you're raving mad, why listen to you? Because he claimed to be the son of God. So all this is going on. So this is the, the context of what I want to get into this next part. So they're mad at Jesus. They're trying to, do, to just do whatever they can to get rid of him. And so they come to him. And they ask Jesus this question. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And so I want to get into his response. And that's what we're going to explore today. And this is John 10, 25 and 26. It says, Jesus answered them. I have told you so. Yet you do not believe me. You do not trust me and rely on me. The very works that I do by the power of my Father and in my Father's name bear witness concerning me. They are my credentials and my evidence in in support of me. Verse 26. But you do not believe and trust or rely on me because you do not belong to my fold. You are no sheep of mine. 27. The sheep that are my own hear and are listening to my voice. And they know them and they follow me. See here, Jesus identifies who are his sheep and who aren't. See, everybody is a child of God. 
Everybody is created in the image of God, right? Right? But not everybody is his sheep. This is what Jesus is identifying this. Not me. I'm not creating this. He's identifying there are sheep that are mine and sheep that aren't. But it's not his choice. It's our choice. Whether we're his sheep or somebody else's sheep. So if you are one of Jesus' sheep, let's hear you sound like a sheep. Let's hear you say, bah. I knew I could get you to do it. Yes. Check it off the bucket list. Got a crowd to sound like sheep. But we're all sheep. We are all sheep. But the question is, who's your shepherd? Because we're all sheep and we all have a shepherd. So how do we determine who our shepherd is, is the question. So Jesus talked about three choices that identify who your shepherd is. There's three that identify that he is our shepherd, or there's three that identify somebody else is our shepherd. So we're going to explore those today. So first we're going to look at the three choices that say that we have another shepherd. This is verse 26. But you do not believe and trust and rely on me because you do not belong to my fold. You are no sheep of mine. So number one, you do not believe. That was the first thing Jesus said. If you don't believe, you're not one of my sheep. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, who do we believe? What do we believe? Who guides us? What guides us? Does our fear, do we believe our fear over what Jesus has said? Do we believe our circumstances more than who God says he is? Because it's really easy to see our circumstances and start believing that's how life should be. Because they're right in front of us. And when we haven't made Jesus our shepherd, we start following fear. And we start following our circumstances. The second thing he says is you do not trust. You might believe in him, but you don't trust him. It's like a kid at a pool. So at my parents' old house, they had a pool and they had this wall that was two, three feet high. And we'd always try to get our kids to jump off of it into the deep end because it was fun. It is fun. It was a, but when they were little, we would try to get them to do it as, soon as, they, or as early as they could because as soon as they did it, they loved it and wanted to do it more. But to get them to actually jump, they had to trust that I would actually catch them. They believed I would catch them because you would ask them, do, do you think I'll catch you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then jump. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not going to happen. Because they didn't trust that I would actually catch them. See, we can be like that with Jesus. We believe what he said in his word. If somebody asks you, do you believe this first? Or believe, you're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. But when it actually comes to living it out in your life, and it's contradictory to your circumstances, you're like, Jesus, I don't trust you. I'm going to go with what the world says to do in this circumstance. And you trust the different shepherd. So not only do you have to believe, but you have to trust. The third thing that he identifies as someone that lives their life that's not his sheep is, you do not rely on me. Who is your resource? Is your money your resource or is he your resource? Yeah, I don't have much time, so I went right for it. (laughs) Who do you rely on? Do you rely on your own skills and ability? Which I'm not saying don't develop your own skills and ability. Don't be the 35-year-old sitting on your mama's couch. 
Okay? That's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, I don't have time to go down that road. But he is supposed to be our resource. We are supposed to rely on him first. But see, what we, a lot of times what we do is we try all our systems and ways of doing things. And then when all that doesn't work, then we go to him and say, hey, help. I'm drowning. Instead of going to him first and saying, God, I'm going to rely on you. You show me the way to go. You show me how to solve this problem. But we typically wait until the very end. And when we're desperate and nothing else is working, then we're like, oh, I guess I'll rely on you now. But when we don't rely on him, we have a different shepherd. The problem to rely on him is that you have to give up all control. You are no longer in control when you rely on someone else. A baby has no control because they rely on their mother and dad for everything. Right? And what does Jesus talk about? He says, come like a child. Complete reliance on him. But then the good thing, the good news. Jesus talks about what does my sheep look like? Just good news. This is verse 27. It says, The sheep that are my own hear and listen, are listening to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there's three things here that he identifies as his sheep. Number one, can you say number one? They hear my voice. This is why we train people in the prophetic. Because to be his sheep, you have to be able to hear his voice. And that's why every person can hear his voice. There's no special hearing for certain people. A prophet doesn't hear better than anybody else. You can hear just as well as anybody else. He has created you to hear his voice and know his voice. A prophet is just a job description. It's not a special talent. And I love the prophets. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But everybody can hear his voice. Everybody can hear the shepherd's voice. You are hearing a shepherd's voice. Just depends on which one you listen to. See, but listening, to hear, to hear his voice, you have to know his voice. See, when a kid, how many of you parents, your kids are out playing baseball or soccer, you're cheering for them, yelling for them, and then they come off after the game and, and you're like, hey, did you hear me cheering for you? How many have done that? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's all moms raising their hands. Yeah, because dad's like, I don't care if they can hear me. I just hope they do what I'm yelling at them to do. But moms are like, hey, did you hear me? Please, please validate me by saying you heard me. Sorry. It's truth. And we love our moms for it. I love hearing my mom scream and yell at my my games. Luckily, I have an interior thing that can block all of it out. <laughs> but it's true. Your kid can hear you even though a hundred parents are screaming and yelling. They can still hear your voice. Because they know your voice. Or if you got kid, a bunch of kids in a room goofing around, doing things they shouldn't be doing... Your kid, as soon as you say something, they stop, right? They'll at least stop for a half a second. Doesn't mean they're going to obey and stop doing what they're doing. But there is that split second where they like, oh, I'm hearing something familiar. Yes, there's a disturbance. But it's because they've spent time with you. 
They've had times to hear your voice and to know it. So in order for us to know his voice, we have to spend time. Personal time to hear his voice. It's the key to hearing his voice. There's a lot of tools to get you there to hear better or hear certain ways. But it's all in the key. The key to unlock all of that is actually spending time with him. So if we're going to, if he's going to be our good shepherd, then we have to hear his voice, which means we have to know his voice. When there's a lot of voices out in the world right now. And it can be hard to hear voice, the voice you want to hear. But if we know his voice, his quiet whisper will cut through all the screaming noise. Number two, they listen to my voice. It's one thing to hear someone. It's a whole nother ball game to listen to somebody. My son, my third son down, Nolan, which he's 11 years old. He entertains me a lot, which some days are good. Some days not so good. I might have had to bail him out of school once or twice, but I'll talk, I'll, you know, he's doing, I need him to do something. So I'll grab him, be like, son, I need you to do A, B, and C. He's like, okay. I was like, do you hear me? And he's like, yes. I said, okay. Walk away five minutes later. I'm like, Nolan, why haven't you done this? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, son, I told you, these, I need you to do these three things. You did none of them. You said you heard me. I said, did you hear me? He's like, yeah, I heard you. I'm like, okay, I need you to do these three things. Five minutes go by, they're not done it again at all. I've learned as a parent, now that I've had four, so I've, eventually I learned from this. That asking them if they heard me Means jack squat. (laughs) That means they heard my voice, but they didn't actually listen to what I was saying. So now I'll be like, I need you to listen to me. And I say, I need you to do A, B, and C. And then before they, I was like, you got it? He's like, yeah, I got it. I said, okay, did you listen to me? And he's like, yes, of course I listened to you. Say, okay, repeat those back to me. What are the three things I told you to do? Uh, It's like, yes, because you're not listening to me. See, there is a difference between listening and hearing. To be able to listen, you do have to hear it. But listening means you actually remember it. You're actually taking it in. And writing it on your heart. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. They can hear me, but they also listen to me. They don't get distracted. They push the distractions out of the way. And they actually listen to me. If he is our shepherd, you have to listen. I wish we didn't have to. Be so much easier if we can just hear his voice and then do whatever we want. But when you actually listen, then you actually know exactly what he wants you to do. See, a lot of times we turn off our listening because we want to do what we want to do. We hear his voice and go, oh, that's a great idea, God. I'm gonna go, now I'm going to go do it the way I want to do it. But when we listen, we hear what he's saying. Oh, that's a great idea. And then we listen. Okay, now what do I need to do about it? But then we have to be, then we're responsible now. See, Nolan's not responsible until he actually listens to it. Now he's responsible for what I've said. So they've gotten really good at just saying, no, I didn't hear you. I didn't, I wasn't listening. 
Because if they say that, then they know they're not responsible for it. Because when we listen now, we have to be responsible. And for him to be our shepherd, we have to listen. Number three, they follow me. I think this is the toughest one. Because if you are following, then you don't determine the destination. It's no longer about me, but it's about him. See, we're called to be sheep. We are sheep. And we're never called to grow out of being a sheep. Jesus never says at some point you'll lead yourself. See, following somebody, you give up your rights to know where you're going. You give up your rights on how to get there. You're not directing, you're following. And for him to be our good shepherd, we have to be willing to follow. Because when we stop following him, we start to determine our own path and we start asking him to follow us. And we start praying prayers like, God bless what I'm doing. Instead of saying, God, where are, we, where are you leading me? We say, God, bless what I'm doing. Instead of, God, what do you want me to do? Where are you leading me to? What path are you taking me on? Because we're trying for him to follow us. We're trying to get the Holy Spirit to empower us on our own path. But we have to be asking God, what are you doing? And where are you leading me? We have to give up all control. And that's really hard to do. Right? We're really honest. I don't like giving up control. Especially directions. If I'm following somebody and we're going somewhere and I got to follow them, I don't like it. Because I'm like, why are you going this way? You don't know what you're doing. I would have gone this way. I would have gone that way. And we do that with God. Like, God, why are you doing this? You're going the wrong way. You know, this is not how you get there. You know, the children of Israel said the same thing. God, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You got us all over the place. Can we just go back where we started? But God wanted to bring them through a process and bring them through promises and, and gain things for them. Even though they didn't understand where they were going. But luckily there was a few that said, God, we don't understand. Moses and Joshua and Caleb. Say, God, we don't understand where you're taking us and how you're getting us there. But we're for you. We'll follow you. We'll follow you into a land that on the outside will destroy us. In a matter of minutes. But they said. But we'll follow you. And the rest. Of the tribes of Israel. Said no. God we don't trust you. We're not going to rely on you. We're not going to believe you. And they all missed out on the promised land. Except for the ones that said. We'll follow you wherever. Wherever you lead, we'll follow. I love this Keith Green quote. If you don't know who Keith Green was, I would go to YouTube, search his name. He got saved in the Jesus movement and had some incredible worship. Um, It's awesome. But this quote of his, it says, "That's, that's what lordship is. Christ reigning as supreme authority over our life. Taking Jesus, making Jesus Lord of our life is not something passive. It's not a state of being. 
It's a state of doing. Those whom Jesus recognizes as his own are those who do the will of his Father in heaven. In following him, we will follow him if we hear and listen to his voice. If we believe and trust him, if we will rely on him, we will follow him and he will be our good shepherd. To be his sheep requires complete surrender. Who's your shepherd? If Jesus is going to be your shepherd, then you have to hear his voice. You have to trust him. And you have to follow him. That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. If I'm going to be your shepherd, you have to do those three things. If I can have the band come up, we're going to go into a time of communion together. As we wrap up. So if you want to get your communion ready, we're going to do that here in a minute. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, leads us to the cross. See, to follow him is to follow him to the cross. As his sheep, we have to choose to be led to the cross. Jesus said it this way. This is Luke nine twenty three, And he said to all, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself in his own interest, refuse and give up himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and in, in need be in dying also. See, when we follow the good shepherd, he leads us to the cross. Because he laid his life down for us. As the good shepherd, he laid his life down and gave his life for us. So that we can have life. But Jesus says you have to pick up your cross daily. And it's, it's not a every day I come before Jesus and say, oh, I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible sinner. Saved by grace. All that. That's not what it is. We live on the right side of the cross in forgiveness. But there is a daily, Jesus, I'm going to pick up your cross I'm going to go to the cross again today to kill myself. That I am giving myself to you and I will follow you and live in what you paid for. It's what Jesus is talking about here. That daily you pick up your cross. But he doesn't just stop there and say, just pick up your cross. He said, no, pick up your cross and follow me. So today, as we take communion, we take it as sheep that, have a, that has a good shepherd. That we're sheep that are going to hear his voice, that are going to listen to what he's saying, and we're going to follow him. That's what we're going to do in communion today. So I would ask you not to take communion if he's not going to be your shepherd. Because that's what this represents. Is this body that he broke for us. And his blood that was shed. For our freedom. Because there's a benefit. To being his sheep. And that's found in verse 28. It says and I give them eternal life. And they shall never lose it. Or perish throughout the ages. To all eternity they shall never by any means be destroyed. 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my mind of my hand. When we are his sheep, we get eternity. And nobody is able to snatch you out of his hands. Why don't you stand with me? This is verse 29 and 30. He goes on. My father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. I and the father are one. Basically, Jesus is saying, my dad is the biggest, strongest, baddest thing on the universe. And because you are my sheep, you're his sheep. And you have the biggest, baddest man, dad ever. So as we take communion today, that's who we're remembering. We're remembering Jesus as the good shepherd that gave his life. But we're also remembering a father that chose to give his son as a sacrifice for us. So Jesus, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. But you chose to lay your life down for us. Thank you for creating us in your image, for making us a son and daughter. But today we choose to be your sheep. That today we make our identity as a sheep and you are our shepherd. We choose you today as our shepherd. You're the one we're going to follow. You're the one we're going to listen to. You're the one we're going to trust. You're the one we're going to believe. You're the one we're going to rely on. So as we take this bread that represents your body that you broke for us, we make that choice today that you are our shepherd. So take the bread. Jesus, not only were you willing for your body to be broken for us, you laid your life down so your blood could be shed. So I heard this this morning when I came in this morning into this room. And normally when I walk in on a Sunday morning, I just kind of ask God, what are you doing today? And it got this sense that it was really, really light in here. Not that his presence was light, but just a very light feeling. So I asked the Holy Spirit, what's, what is that? What's going on? Because there's times when I walk in and it's really heavy in a good way. And he showed me this picture of, like, you know, when you're trying to take apart something and you're trying to get a lid off and it just won't come off. And after like two hours and a few choice words coming out of your mouth, you realize on the back side hidden is a screw that you forgot to take out. And sometimes when we gather together, it's like that our burdens and our yokes are really heavy and there's a screw kind of holding it onto us. And God in his power comes and just destroys the screw and takes that weight off you. But this morning when I walked in, it was really light. And he, and he showed me that picture, but he showed today, it's like the weights and the burdens that are on people have a latch on them. 
And I'm not coming to, today to destroy the latch. They're actually going to have to choose to unlatch it. And when they choose to unlatch it, I'll gently take that burden away. I'll take that heaviness away. But they have to choose today to actually unlatch it. Unhook it. So I can gently come and just lift it off. If that's you today, unlatch the latch. Let him come. Take that burden off of you. That heaviness off of you. He's come to set you free with his blood. His blood paid the price and it's still living today. So if you're feeling weighed down and heavy this morning, just unhook that latch and let the Holy Spirit come and just gently take it off as we take this cup today. So Jesus, we unhook our latches today. We unhook the right to hold on to it. You paid a price so that we can have freedom. That we can be free of this heaviness and these burdens. So today we take, we take off the latch. And as we take this emblem that represents your blood that you spilt, that has life, that gives life to this day. So we unlatch today and we take this cup of your blood that represents life. Take the cup with us. The atmosphere is changing now. Let's just worship him for a moment. Let's worship him for a minute. The good shepherd that came and laid his life down for us. Let's worship the lamb. That was slain. The spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. And you're the reason we came to encounter your love. Your right now just lift your hands like you're giving it to him just give it to him he'll take it right now
declare you need to declare that he's your shepherd and that you're going to change your choices but until you declare it you're not going to change but there's a grace in the house this morning for you to declare him as the good shepherd. So Jesus, we just declare that you are a good shepherd. That I give up my rights. Some of you are holding on to your rights. And you can do that. That's your choice. But if you're going to call him your shepherd, you have to give up your rights. So Jesus, we give up our rights to our own life. Because we have chosen you. And because we have chosen you, we have chosen to follow you means we have to surrender to you. No matter where you're taking us, we have to surrender to you. We choose to surrender to you today and follow you as our good shepherd. Let us be a people that follow you. That you are our focus. That you're the one that leads us. God, we give up complete control to you. That Jesus, you are the one driving this. You are the one choosing the path. after some healings because the healer is in the house so if I could have the ministry come up be ready to pray for people and Dave's gonna call out some words of knowledge for healing here in just a minute but I felt there was a call for people that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're here this morning you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
which is Jesus' spirit. He said, I'll send you one that's greater than me. Come on, Jesus said, I am sending one that is greater than me. That statement right there just rocks me. So if you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, come this morning. Come this morning. And then we're going to go after some healings. Remember, next week, Michael Dalton. Bless you. We're going to call out some healings. If, if you need prayer for healing, come on down. So these are words of knowledge that the ministry team has provided over the last 18 hours or so. So if you have pain radiating above and in the left knee, that's the first one. Also, knee pain and stiffness in general. Headache and pressure or stuffiness between the ears. Left molar or toothache problem. Right heel pain. Healing of an old issue from a car accident, possibly a back injury. Thumb problems. Head pressure on the top of the head, as well as another one came in for just the right top of the head. Tingling and weakness in the hand. Numbness in the top of the right foot. And a left ear issue, and this is how you'll know it's you. You're associated with a powder blue house with white trim. And that's left ear issue. If you have any of those things, the ministry team, come on down. We're going to need your help. In fact, some of you who are just with us in training, if you wouldn't mind helping us out to pray, that would be great. Sarah, some of those, come on down. We'd appreciate your help. Bless you. So if you need healing this morning, come on down. The healer's in the room. The healer's in the room. So come. Be healed. Be healed.